Cambridge Breakfast with Julian Clover. Across our university city and South Cambridgeshire. Cambridge 105 Radio. The Cambridgeshire Fens produce 33% of England's vegetables and contribute a staggering £3 billion to the economy. However, the Fens are facing threats from climate change, the availability of water and the peat soil becoming exhausted and emitting carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. Uh, to talk about that, uh, we have Dr Laurie Friday, who is Programme Manager uh, and on the Fen Project, an absolute expert, apparently, on all things related to the Fens, and uh, Tom Markland, who is PhD student in Earth Sciences, Earth Sciences. Uh, welcome to you both. Of course, you're both taking part in the Cambridge Festival in uh, a few weeks' time, so we'll have details about that as well. Um, I'd like to start with this this issue of drought. Um, there was some information put out by Anglian Water in the last couple of days saying that even though we had what's described as the average amount of rainfall during the winter, and I'm never entirely sure what the average amount is anymore, um, still not enough. And already it looks like we're heading for a drought. And that must have, I think, an impact both across East Anglia, but maybe even more so for the Fens. Yes, that's right, Julian, and good morning. Thank you very much for having us on. You're very welcome. Uh, <laughs> the um, average rainfall in the Fens is actually very surprising because it's um, no greater than Jerusalem normally gets, and we often think of Jerusalem as being incredibly hot and dry. Um, so even in good year, we have the same rainfall as Jerusalem. But last year, as you know, it was so incredibly hot, um, you know, record-breakingly hot and dry, that the aquifers that actually provide our water and the rainfall that would normally top it up just wasn't there. Um, so we're way behind on the amount of water we've got in the fens. And if you don't have a lot of rain then in the winter to top it back up again, you'll then enter the next summer with not enough water. So you're already starting from behind, as you're it were. You're starting from behind, exactly, yes. You know, one of those facts which I have stuck into my head is something along the lines of uh, Manchester is among the fourth wettest places in the country, <laughs> but significantly here, Cambridge and Cambridgeshire is amongst the fourth driest in the country. And so I guess all that sort of adds to, I guess, the fans which seem to be going through a bit of a tough time at the moment, really. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the fens are in the rain shadow of the rest of the country. So there's lovely southwesterly winds that blow off the Atlantic and bring rain, just don't get as far as us. They drop it all on Manchester, as you said. Um, but yeah, the fens are facing a really big challenge at the moment. I think everybody recognises that. It's suddenly woken up. Um, it's been coming for a long time, but now the farmers know it, the water providers know it, people who live in the fens probably know it as well as a sort of gut reaction, um, that something has to be done really quite dramatically to rescue the fens from um, the threat of climate change, which is very great. And that's not just about less rainfall, that's also about rising sea level and, and various other things. Of course, in Norfolk in the last few days, yeah. we've been seeing some pictures of uh, some coastal erosion up in Hemsby, wasn't there? Yes, there's a huge amount of coastal erosion, but um, as climate change goes on and if sea level rises as predicted then it's going to get more and more difficult for the fen and rivers to get out to sea because there's hardly any gradient in the fens it's pretty flat yeah, as you know. kind of the point, really. <laughs> so something has to take the water out to sea and if there isn't much gradient and the sea level rises then you've got the problem that the sea might come in or the, or the rivers might flood and the environment agency is putting a huge amount of um, infrastructure and money into trying to keep the sea out and keep the rivers within their banks 
and you know that's absolutely critical for all of us in the fens yeah. tom what you know a lot of pressures facing the, the fens what though makes them special in the first place yeah well the the fenland soil is extremely carbon rich um one of the side effects of that is that it makes great farmland um the kind of peat that you find in the fens is the kind of peat that you might once upon a time have bought in the garden center it's really rich soil and that contributes to the fact that it produces some 30 percent of the uk's vegetable production it also and that's a lot you know yeah, at times where we don't know where our next tomato is coming from this is like a <laughs> this is actually a very ser- serious yeah issue. and it's not 30 percent of the uk's farmland it's an oversized contribution right um the the fact that the soil is so carbon rich also means that the carbon dioxide emissions directly from the soil are surprisingly high. Um, it's it's not the actual farming activities directly that are causing high carbon dioxide emissions. It's actually the soil itself losing carbon. And, and that's happening because of, of, of why? I'm a failed scientist over here. <laughs> no, it, it's, uh, it's happening because... When you, when you drain the land and remove the water, oxygen gets deeper into the soil. And the microbes that break down the carbon in the soil and convert it into carbon dioxide can only survive where there's oxygen. So when you drain the fens and introduce all this oxygen, all of a sudden, huge communities of these carbon dioxide producing microbes move in. And yeah, and, and just, it's the perfect environment. So, so what, what particularly has, has done has, has done the damage is it the is it the farming and the, the land being worked over i guess hundreds of years or or is it these climate change effects which uh, which, which lobby was describing to us i mean i think the fence is is vulnerable it's both vulnerable to climate change in terms of drought but also flooding um, and also contributes to climate change. It's kind of unusual in that sense. It's emitting a lot of greenhouse gases, but is also suffering the effects of climate change. But even if there was no climate change, you would still have a really big problem with losing peat from the fens because it all started in, in the 17th century when um, it, was, it was a big swamp, basically, with lots of people in it making a perfectly good living from fish and, and wildfowl and putting their cows on wet grassland during the summer and so on. Um, but then the landowners came in and, and there was an act of parliament that said we must drain the fens. And they brought in Dutch engineers and lots of Scottish prisoners of war. Um, and they, they dug a huge amount of drainage channels throughout the fens. And the, there's, a, there's a post which a lot of people will know about. Um, is a great iron post at Holton Fen in the west of Cambridgeshire, which was driven into the peat when the drainage started. And that is now four metres high, that post. So there's four metres worth of peat that has disappeared from the fens as a result of the drainage. And it's, it's because of what Tom has just described, is when you take the water out of the fen, the oxygen comes in and the peat starts to break down. And then it just blows away. So you get physical blowing away of soil, which some of us have seen, you know, across the fens, the fen blow. But you also get the carbon dioxide just being cast out into the atmosphere. And that's a really big emission of carbon it, it, dioxide. It's interesting. I was, I was in Ireland with my, my wife's family during, uh, during the summer. And, uh, you know, radio geek that I am and switching through stations. And there was a major discussion on one of the, the talk stations about preventing people from going onto land which they owned, cutting out the peat and taking it home and putting it onto their, onto their fire. Yeah. Because they, they too had obviously you know, a variation on the environmental concerns you're describing here. 
Yeah, peat cutting has taken place in the Cambridgeshire Fens, but it hasn't done for some time. A couple of generations ago, people were still cutting some peat for their own domestic use, but it was never a big sort of um, industrial scale like it is in Ireland no. and, and other uplands. Where, where did the peat in the Fens come from in the, in, in the first instance? Okay, we go back a bit. Do you want to do this one, Tom? Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, when the, when the Fens were were essentially flooded or very wet before the drainage started in the 17th century, the the ability of oxygen to penetrate into that very wet soil is very limited. So you don't have to go very deep in, in waterlogged soil before there's no oxygen at all. And that preserves the carbon that gets trapped there. And the carbon just comes from plants, from, from reeds, from sedge that naturally grow in the fens. So the carbon accumulates, gets trapped in this soil with no oxygen at all. It's a bit like... Um, canning i think you know we we can things to prevent oxygen getting in and causing them to decay but in in the fens the the water and the inability of oxygen to penetrate in the soil causes a similar effect where the oxygen doesn't get in and the plant matter stays there and potentially without human intervention plant matter can stay in wetlands for thousands of years uh, and would it if you know left to its own devices shall we say would the peat replenish itself over time it, it will only do that if it's wet enough, so it has to fall into right. shallow water. And so you need to bring the water level up as far as you dare, if you like, in the fens. And what we're not talking about is six-foot depth of water. I know a lot of people are really worried about the idea of re-wetting the fens. This might be, you know, living on islands, but it's nothing like that. It's about, um, at the moment, the water level in the average fen ditch is about two metres below the surface of the soil. So all the water is draining out of, of, of the soil and into these ditches, and then it's being pumped up into the river to get it out to sea. Um, but if you allowed that water level in the ditches to come up to about 40 centimetres of the surface, so we're still below the surface of the soil, but the water is, is, is near the surface, that would start enabling um, some of the carbon that's in the soil to be saved in the soil and just stay there. But to, in order to get more peat being made, you have to have some shallow water at the surface and then the reeds fall into the water. They don't decompose for reasons that Tom's explained, um, but they would then gradually build up, but it would be very, very slow. I was going to say, I suspect <laughs> neither of us in this room will, uh, would, would probably see the result of it, even if it was to start tomorrow. Although, if you think about it, if you've got a pond in your garden and you've got reeds around it, or you've got bulrushes or whatever, they fall into the water, they make all this growth annually, they fall into the water. If they don't break down, your pond starts to fill in really quite quickly and then you want to sort of pull it out, you know, and, and sort of dump the stuff that falls in. It is it's a curiosity, isn't it, of, of climate change. On the one hand, we're talking here about the fens drying out and yet, yet I could also probably do an interview another day with the risk of, you know, Cambridgeshire sub submerging to water over o over time and it's the the juxtaposition of those those two issues yet they're still part of the same story. They are part of the same story, but the flooding that you might be worried about in the fens is the river banks overtopping. And you have to, um, if you go out into the fens, you realise that the fens are in a basin, actually, and that the rivers are above the level of the fields. So unless there's a really strong waterproof bank both sides of the river, you're going to have difficulty. If, if you break down those banks or the water level comes up above the banks, it will come over the top of those raised banks and, and that will cause the flooding. So that's the difficulty with flooding, is this sort of disastrous um, overtopping of the riverbanks. It's not about rainfall necessarily on the fens. It's about rainfall further away that's causing the rivers to be huge and, 
and the, and the sea level rising. Uh, I mentioned you're both going to be at the Cambridge uh, Festival a little. I can say a little later in the month now. Now it's uh, now now we're into uh, in, into March. Where where and when? Well, our event's actually on the 1st of April, ah, okay. which is... Uh, <laughs> a month, month to the day, kind of, anyway. A nice, a nice memorable date. So the David Attenborough building, where our group is based, will be open uh, to the public with all kinds of activities going on from 12 midday to 4pm. And uh, we, in particular, are going to be giving a, a panel discussion about the future of the Fens um, at 3pm on that day. And if you want to come to that talk, you do need to book tickets, uh, you can get your tickets at festival.cam.ac.uk. And if you just go to the search box and search for Fens, you'll find our event. That's great. Well, thank you both uh, very much. I have to say, that if uh, anybody misses the details of the Cambridge Festival, it is it is easily Googleable if, yeah. if that indeed is a verb. Um, so thank you uh, both uh, for, for coming in to uh, chat to us this morning. Dr Laurie Friday, also uh, Tom, Mark, and uh, thank you uh, very much indeed. Cambridge 105 Radio.